a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. It's time to get the inside scoop on the Utah Jazz. From the play-by-play voice of the Jazz, David Locke. Sweet revenge! Presented by Murdoch Auto Group. Ow! On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back. It is Unrivaled 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Curie, Scott Mitchell, and the voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, who's uh, on the road back to calling the last 22 games of the season for this Utah Jazz team. Did you get a little bit of a break there, David? I did. Uh, we took a little quick family vacation, and we're, we're driving back into town right now. So we'll uh, see how the roads hold up the rest of the way. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Love it. I got in a wreck on the way to Scott to got the, crashed into today on the way <laughs> to, to the broadcast today, house. So be safe out there. What was your take on oh, the – on, Yeah, it was. it is what it is. I'm over the shock of it. Uh, what was your take on the All-Star weekend? Um, every report I've had from everybody who was there was involved. It was great. You know, we, we have a city that's built well for those kind of events, frankly. Um, you know, we hosted the Olympics, which is a much bigger event. We showed, once again, that we can do that. Uh, so I think, you know, I think we hold those events well. The increased hotel capacity in the city, I think, was important. <clears throat> and Ryan and Ashley were just so committed to, and the organization, you know, so many people put on such incredible amounts of effort and work in our organization to make sure it happened. Every indication I have is they pulled it off beautifully. It was a grand success. We got fairly good weather. The inversion stayed out for the most part. And, you know, we looked, you know, all, all the highlights of Salt Lake were shown. Yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was cool uh, at the game on Sunday. We went to all the stuff and just, in the actual game, I'm I'm looking there and I'm watching Ryan and Ashley on one side of the court, and then you see Gail and the Miller family like on the other side of the court. It's just like this, you know, the the uh, the legacy family, and then you have the, the the new owners, and they're right there, and they're just cheering on, you know, this the entire event and how things were, you know, being held. I think uh, everybody knows what Salt Lake City can do because they've done it before, but. It was nice to have the showcase and to see that everybody uh, that it got off well and, and that it was a massive success for the city and, and for the Jazz. You've done sixty games so far this year. Uh, you got twenty two left on this thing, 
And I, I, I'm assuming, like, when when you hear All-Star break, you think of some time off for you, I'm assuming. But, you know, these guys turn it right back around as well. How how tough is it for guys to get right back into you played, you had a little bit of a break because it's not a ton of time off, but it is a lot compared to what they had during the rest of the year. How much time does it take to get guys back into uh, the that, that 22 games of the season? So first off, I'm up for another 60. We don't need 22. I don't like hearing 22. <laughs> okay. That's too little. Oh, look at you. Um, uh, I, you know, all of them are given, like, you know, I was talking to one of our um, advanced medical guys. Like, all the players are given a workout plan that they're expected to follow during this break. And frankly, if they follow 60% of it, they're probably fine. Um, so I think that when you, you know, are in what's going on, that's, it takes them a little while to get back, but they're not like, they did some work, right? They, they, they took the time to get, uh, I don't, I don't think these guys just, these, these guys all understand that they're supposed to be, um, getting work done and, and being ready. Um, and so they, therefore, you know, it'll take them a little while, but not, not a lot. We saw a little a little taste of Damian Jones and Juan Toscano Anderson before the All Star break. What what? How do they factor into things uh, for for the next rest of the season? You know, I, I get a little nervous in taking one night and deciding it shows an op, you know that you decide to make massive comments on it, particularly the night before All Star break. But mm-hmm. I I think you saw their strengths. Juan Toscano Anderson played super hard. The rebounding numbers were really impressive that night. Um, He's a good, strong defensive player. Will knows him well because when they played in the NBA Finals, you, you scout players so intently that you actually are scouting. Um, you know, you're actually scouting him as well. Like you know, you're scouting Steph and and Jordan Poole and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, but you're also you're also looking at you know Juan just going to ask me. Is there something we can take advantage of? Can we get three points advantage or one point advantage somehow because of what? So you know, I talked to Will. He said, No, he's he's a legitimately real good defensive player. There's there's a lot of guys in our league who don't shoot very well, so we just name them defensive players, and it's kind of an ongoing joke I have with people that, like, hey, by the way, is he a real defender or is he just someone that we named a defender? <laughs> um, you know, I asked Will, and Will's like, no, he's a real defender. Like, he's he's good. So I think he brings a level of toughness. He's, he's not a particularly strong shooter career, but he's not bad either. Like, I think he's 34, 35% for his career. He started 24, I think, his first year, and then, has amped it up a little bit, um, as as you'd suspect. And then um, Damian Jones has just bounced around an awful lot. Um, and so that's, I think, a positive in this case. He just knows how to assimilate into a group. He's also started, I think, 50, 60, 70 games in the NBA. So he's just done a lot of different things. Doke's scuffling a little bit. And so I think Damian Jones could be a viable option as a backup center for the Jazz. And I thought the way he ran the floor – Again, a very, you know, again, I don't want to overplay one night, but pretty replicable skill, right? He sprinted the floor and ran the floor with great tenacity, and I and I think in great alacrity, and I think, you know, he can do that again. Like, you can look at that and see him do that again. So there were things you saw out of both those guys that are what they're known for. They're not newbies to the league, and both of them can bring value and may end, have earned themselves another opportunity for more playing time. He's David Locke, voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here on Unrivaled. Also works the word alacrity into uh, uh, an interview if you're if you're ready for it. Uh, he'll bring that he'll bring that kind of heat for you. He'll get your thesaurus going. 
Uh, David, as we get ready for this one, this is like a weird set of five games coming right out of the break. Uh, I was looking at it, and I'm going, okay, so hold on a minute. The first five games are all against either the Thunder or the Spurs. So you go Spurs, Thunder, Spurs, Thunder, Thunder. Is that kind of – I mean, that's a, it's an interesting five games right out of the gate there. And for second prize, you get four nights in Oklahoma City. <laughs> for first prize, you get two. Yeah, you know uh, what? that that back to back the Friday to that Friday to Sunday haul you guys have at the end of that thing. Hey, that's just part of the gig. Come on. By the way, if you're going to leave me in Oklahoma City, feel free to play back to back. I'm all good with that. <laughs> um, that's kind of where the uh, uh, pandemic started. Actually, oh, that was not there, kind yeah. of, yeah, yeah, not kind a, of. March 11th, baby. That was, that was. Yeah, PTSD every time we come back to that one. I know. So, but it's a strange five game stretch right out of the gate. I, I don't yeah, know. No, it's, it's, it's part it's of the super strange. And actually, the like the three games against the Thunder are are, are super important. Like, um, I think are you know they're all like I, I this is pretty exciting. We'll see. I haven't seen the injury report. I just saw that. While I was driving, messages came in, but I have not um, read my text messages while driving. Good so I'm assuming you. one of those might have been an injury report. So if you guys have some information, I don't have it on what Colin Sexton's status is off that hamstring. Colin Sexton um, is out, Dad. We just got told. We just got, we saw okay. the same thing. He's out. Okay. So I, I literally just got the new message of it, you know, received. I was like, oh, but you have the injury report. So, I mean, how we're going to, how we're going to handle not having Colin Sexton. And, um, that means Juan Toscana Anderson will probably play. We just don't have enough players. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, maybe some of the guys who just signed on 10 days will we'll get an opportunity. Chris Dunn, uh, super good defender, a lot of NBA experience. Frank Jackson, obviously local kid, would be really fun if he could get it rolling again. He showed signs when he was in New Orleans. Uh, so maybe those guys get an opportunity as well. We may just be a little too thin to make a real playoff run here uh, after trading those guys and then having a Colin Sexton injury. But if if we're able to find a way to, to make a little run here and hold it together and uh, play 500 basketball for the final 22. I think we're going to probably have to go 13 and nine to make the playoffs to mm. make the play in. Maybe, maybe, maybe 12 and 10. But so a little bit above 500. But it could be a could be a really exciting stretch. And the last time I kind of gazed at the schedule, I think we have five or six games against teams that are probably ones that would be a real surprise if we won, and five or six games against teams that are not. Maybe going to be giving out their full effort to win games with Victor Wembanyama late in the season. So the middle, the middle ten are going to be really interesting. The Thunder, three of those ten. At what point do you start looking at the, the this year's draft picks and where, where they're going to be? And uh, is there any strategy to kind of, I don't know, manipulate possibly getting in a better position or or how how much do you do you think the team actually? Pay? I'm Dave Colley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. His attention to those draft picks at this point. I mean, I think you're paying attention. You'd be somewhat negligent if you're not paying attention, right? Um, but we have really not done anything yet to manipulate our outcomes. Uh, and even in the trades we've made, we haven't done that yet. Like, we haven't 
just unloaded anyone for no purpose. Like, if you go back and look at the Boyan Bogdanovich trade, which a lot of people really didn't like, they're like, oh, we should have gotten more from him. All we got was Kelly Linick. We didn't get a draft pick. Okay, well, Detroit just didn't get a draft pick also, right, at the trade deadline. That's mm-hmm. worth noting. That, like, they had Boyan sitting out there trying to trade him for a first-round pick and didn't get it. We also saved, I think, $7 million in that deal that got us off the luxury tax line that allowed us to make the deal with the Lakers to go get a first-round draft pick from the Lakers. Um, every, meal, every deal we've made has been made with a purpose to get better. There hasn't been, and Danny actually has really never done this in his career, the, just here's Jordan Clarkson for two second-round draft picks because we want to lose 18 of our next 19, which so many we've seen teams do in this league. But that just doesn't seem to be in something that Danny is interested in doing. He didn't do it in Boston in the two different times you rebuild it, and he hasn't done it here. Some of the things that these, uh, you know, I think a weekend like this that highlights uh, a guy like Lowry Markinen who, you know, we think about these future guys and future draft picks. It's really fun to think about what uh, Danny and Jay-Z could be doing, you know, in that front office and just the things they're going to be conjuring up and the creativity they're going to be able to have now because of, the options they've created for themselves. And at the same time, you've got this uh, first-time all-star, all-star starter, likely your most improved player of the year in the NBA at the end of everything with Larry Markkinen, and just uh, how this year has shaped up for it. It, it can't be seen as anything less than just uh, really an amazing job this year now that you've got 22 games left uh, to be able to just go, well, let's put our foot down to the gas pedal and see what happens. No, I, I think that's what gets kind of funky for us in these final 22 games is the season's already a wild success. Right, there were really three question marks coming in to the season. One is, can Will Hardy coach? So I think that's like that was the biggest question, mm-hmm. right? We just hired a 34-year-old man who'd never been a head coach in the NBA. Great resume, but can he coach? Every indicator at this point is yes. Um, he's been he's been really outstanding. Uh, number two is, did we get any pieces? Right? Did any of the players that we got in the trades are they actually legitimate pieces? So Lowry Markkinen's a yes. I think Colin Sexton's a yes, too. I think he's shown, might not be as a starting point guard, but he's got, as Will talks about, like superpowers. Like he, that first step, his ability to finish the basket, that's really special. And if you can find a way to fine-tune the other stuff around him, he, he's a piece of a puzzle. And then the third one was, are any of the current draft picks that you just got going to actually be viable players in the league? And Walker's proven that to be yes, and Ochai continues to show us signs that's the case. There's some developmental things in Ochai that I think we still need to, that I'm excited to see because I think that there's still so many big steps for him to take. But it was really interesting for me in, in one of our last games, I was sitting next to a scout who was watching his pregame warm-up and was just like, oh, that dude's real. Like, he's going to make shots. And, and so I was like, is he Reggie Bullock? Is he, like, Norman Powell? Is he Desmond Bain? And he's like, he, he could be like a Norman Powell, like, a little bit more than Norman Powell, a little less than Desmond wow. Bain. Like, like, you know, he could really do something. Like, this guy really kind of believed in him a little bit. Uh, that's kind of the thing. If you, We take guys on and then we believe in them, and then you kind of see what you get from there. <laughs> that's, it seems to be right. our theme here. What, what's, uh, what's the value of getting into kind of the play-in, the, you know, uh, game t- somewhere 10, 9, whatever? What, what's the value of that for this Jazz team? I think playing important games has value, and I think they've already achieved that. But Lowry Marketing is the number one guy for the first time in his career. Now coming into a stretch, playing 22 games with the burden of trying and of trying to play these types of important games, I, I think that's, I think that's really, um, I think that matters. So I think that's 
more than the, whether they get in the play-in game or not is can they – this is like – these are amped up. Like these guys can be ready to go. This is dead sprint down to the finish line in the NBA, and they're going to play this with a different level of intensity. Ochai has the Final Four experience from last year. He seems really comfortable in big moments um, from winning the tournament last year at Kansas. Does that parlay through here into the NBA? And I think for Lowry, these are all new experiences. And so I think they're really, really important. You know, if it turns out we lose 12 of the next 16, and then by the time we, for the final six of them, they're not that important, well, then we got 16 that are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we get 22 that are important, and hopefully we get that playing game. The playing game value is, I just think it would be like the most fun thing in the world to be a part of. It would like, be really cool how cool it. would that be? One mm-hmm. and done in the NBA? Like, man, that, I'd be so geeked to call that. I'd be so geeked if I was a fan to come to that game. That'd be so fun. Like, and if you win, you know, likely we'd be 9-10, not 7-8. So, you know, if you win, then you go play again, like, two nights later to go try to get into the playoffs. Like, oh, man, that would be awesome. Uh, that part's gotten a lot better. And, I, you know, during this whole All-Star break, we had a lot of these NBA writers coming on uh, who were in town, and they were talking about the the middle of the season, in-season, you know, tournaments that they've talked about and that uh, that uh, Adam Silver loves so much the idea of. But when you say it like that, like that, that is fun. And telling these guys we're one and done here or we, we, we're just going to play and just kind of live on and see another day here, it'd be pretty interesting. Speaking of another day, tomorrow the uh, the Jazz have their first game back from the All-Star break. D- uh, David Locke, the voice of the Utah Jazz, with that call. Tomorrow right here at Vivint Smart Home Arena, 7 p.m., uh, safe Alex, travels Alex the rest of the Scott, let me, can, can I ask you one question before we're Absolutely. done? Sure. You interacted with You interacted with way more people than I did during All-Star break. I went down, walked around a little bit, talked to some friends who were there, but really – didn't have my pulse on it. What was you guys talked to a ton of people? What was your pulse on how people thought the weekend went? Um, okay, so for for us, like when you're watching it, and we were broadcasting right from the corner, basically that Friday and on Saturday, and then we went to all the stuff on Sunday. And it was if to me, I was like, this feels like Sundance feels where you go, oh, there's that guy from the thing. I, I want to get a picture of him, but I don't know his name. Like you know, there there was like a lot of a lot of just like periphery, you know, celebrities and a, a lots of uh, lots of energy around it. Scott and I looked at it and we're like, look, number one, if you go downtown, the people watching was top tier. So that's one of the fun things for us. But also, it was just a different vibe. So you have a huge event going on there and you go, oh, we don't feel like this all the time. And I loved it. So in the end, the governor came on our show and he was like, this is amazing. We got to have more stuff like this. And so I think a massive success despite, you know, Chuck and uh, Shaq having uh, some fun at our expense, which I don't really care about either. Yeah. And for for me. You know, it's interesting to me. The second to last city we went to was Indianapolis on the last road trip. It was a dog city. Like there's there's not a redeeming There isn't. No, I mean I don't mean that rude. Like there's Scott, not a I, geographically I re- Yeah. I, I hear you. No, there's I, not a geographically redeeming value to India like your flatland. There's there's nothing not major industry. Yet they have the combine. They have like every Final Fours all the time. Like <clears throat> they've to their credit, like they found a way to be the America's host city. Yeah, it's it's all and, that's all and, location. And it's, Right, and it's because they're in the middle of America. Yep. Like, like, give them credit. Like, they figured out, okay, we're in the middle of America. We have the NCA here. We have these. We have a big arena. We'll build a bigger one, and we'll find a way to be Big Ten host, combine host. I mean, everything's in Indianapolis. Yeah. Like, I wonder how we, like, to Spencer Cox's point, how can we do that? How can we become? Yeah. We're not going to be Vegas, and maybe we'll never be able to do it because Vegas is so close. But how do we find a way that we can? be a little bit of that same hey we have the infrastructure to do this in a really unique manner in a small confined area we're easy to get around but like become that host west west midwestern 
West Coast host city. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I lived in Cincinnati, and uh, the Ranger boats, so the Ranger fishing boats, their number one dealership was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and there's not a there's not a river or a lake within two <laughs> within two and a half hours of Cincinnati. I mean, it's but what they found was it's it's a it's a lot of white collar. You know, there's a, there's a lot of Fortune 500 companies that are headquartered in Cincinnati because of the the geographic location of where it is. And and upper middle class people tend to buy nicer boats and they'll drive somewhere for down. that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, understanding, I guess, you know, who who's going to come to your city and how do, how do you entice them to come there? And um, I, I just think it's so much about the experience you, you give yeah. them that's just so unique. And, and Utah has an ability to just give you this incredible experience that I don't think you can get in many places in the country yeah. And and that's what I think you really have to play into because it's. I thought the All Star Weekend was tremendous. Uh, the people watching was just off the charts, and there's just a lot. There's so much here in the state of Utah to celebrate and to and to really take advantage of. And and I think Utah did a great job of it doing did awesome. that. Did awesome. Really good. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Locke's got the call tomorrow. Going to be back home. Safe travels the rest of the way. And uh, I mean, really today for sure. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, the second part and of the season here. By the way, if you have any suggestions on how to call Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams, <laughs> who both start and play for the same team and are both rookies, I'm all in. Like, I literally might call numbers tomorrow night. I really think I might go. 35 Jalen Williams. 24 Jalen Williams. Now you, you go thing one and thing two. No, That's and all it, you got to do. No, like, if, literally. No, I know. And if no, what you do is to distinguish it because for people who are listening, it's going to be a hard thing to understand. You have Ron Boone yell out one of the Jalen Williams, and then you do the other one. And then we'll have – then it'll be – Oh, then that's we'll interesting. Work out. I like that. So you can work yeah. in Ron's uh, abilities there. All right. Thanks, David. Appreciate it, man. See you. All right. There Bye. you go. There's Locke. You know, I felt for him when he said that. He goes, dude, by the way, like, one, when, you, when you're done with 60 games, you go, I guess we're done here. Like, I mean, 60 games, you only have 22 left. Yeah. The likelihood is it's only going to be 22. It's it's so weird. Like Maybe an col- extra one. College football games, the same way. Yeah, you go. Like, I can't, you go, believe, we're I can't believe the season's nah, over nah. already. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.